Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female <laughs> food entrepreneurs. We're here to lift up those hardworking makers and bring inspiration, connection, and amazing food to our listeners. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Massoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How has your week been? It's only Monday, but it feels like it could be Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Some Mondays are like that. They're just extra, extra long. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see. I have been watching my husband. He's being a super great partner and putting in this raised bed garden for me on the side of the south side of our house. And it's going to be amazing. I think, um, you know, if you find someone that will either garden with you or um, build garden beds for you, it's a very strong love language in my world. It is. Dirk and I were out there um, gardening all weekend too, because it's that time here in Oregon to kind of get things going, get your plants in, or at least get the beds ready. Sometimes yeah. I worry it might be a little bit early for some things, but because our weather's a little inconsistent, but we just yeah. decided to go with it and start it. Yeah. So. so do you have a watering system? How do you water all that stuff? No, absolutely not. We just okay, have so, a sprinkler and go out with a hose. Okay. So when we have ours all done, I want you to come and see what Michael's done. Cause he put in, a, he's putting in this magnificent drip system. Well, I believe be- it. Because every time I've gone to your home and seen the things that Michael does, they are amazing. He should have a landscaping business because it's so beautiful. Mine is more like we do a lot of things in bags. We do a lot of container gardening. I use cardboard to cover things up. Like It's just kind of like whatever we have, but it works because I just want my daughter to be able to roam around out there and you know not worry about things being you know if she kicks rocks out of place it's not a big deal (laughs) it's more of an exploratory garden very nice (laughs) a science project yep yep. not in your fridge in your yard no yes outside she can kind of do whatever she wants we we put a little um fountain in because she really just wants to play in water and it's It is not like your fountain. It is a little tabletop (laughs) fountain (laughs) that she can put her little, you know, toys in and play in and get messy. And and so that's been, while we work out there, that's what she does. (laughs) That was cool. Good job, Sarah. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, Last week, we didn't have a show. Our guest rescheduled. But uh, we were going to talk about the... the cooking demo that I did because oh, I, 
Yeah, the halibut, because I I really want other makers to kind of keep this idea in mind. This is a good idea. Yeah. So this was the first like virtual demo that I had done with a store partner. So new seasons every year, we do a um, a recipe that's whenever it's halibut season, Mm -hmm. they do this recipe at the solutions counter and I'll usually be there with my sauces, you know, and they make it, but I hand out samples and talk about our sauce. And... um, the thing that is really important about this pairing and partnership and why I think they run it every year is because they're selling halibut, which is a pricier item than yes. mine. But then together with just those two items, they're doing the New Seasons coconut milk, the halibut, and then my sauce. And that's all that's in the recipe. But it really, um, you know, it's really delicious. It's very simple. It's very approachable to people. And so then the store is selling all these other items. And then I'm selling sauce. So they like pre-order the sauce. So this year was the first time I've done it as like a virtual event. Um, How'd it go? It went great. So I cooked it on my Instagram and people watched. And then I handed out the recipe cards at the farmer's market. And then they also had the recipes at New Season. So we just did this really nice partnership. But in this new kind of age, (laughs) this was like all experimental for all of us, for the store, for me, for the customers. But it went really well. And they've, you know, stores have already ordered more sauce. So I just wanted to put it out there for makers to think about their partnerships with stores and how even though we're not able to do like in-store demos, that there's still some ways to do it. So that was one that worked well for me. So that's impressive. Yeah. The halibut this year has been outstanding. It's so good. Yeah. So I had, you know, I had to practice the rest. I ate a lot of halibut this week. So I had to practice the recipe. Just for the halibut. Yeah. Just, I know your pun was so good. You made me (laughs) laugh on my Instagram. Thanks for always um, supporting my posts, Sarah. I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm with your peanut gallery for sure. Well, I need that. Otherwise, it sometimes feels like I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm there for you. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for being there for me, Sarah. I'm there. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not just Sarah and I here today. We have a special guest with us. We're joined today by Lainey. Uh, Lainey, I forgot to ask how to say your last name. I should have. Uh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to say it's Sisoon. Close. Right? Okay, tell me. Okay. Yes. Should have asked before. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here with Lainey Sisson. Lainey's the founder and creator of Honey Palette, specializing in paleo baked goods. Lainey, welcome. Hi. Thank you, ladies. Really, really Thanks happy to be here. Good. We're so glad that you could join us today. We want to help people be able to connect to you. So can you tell everyone your social media handles, website, things that would be able to get them to you? Yeah, you guys can follow me on honeypalette.com and also Honey Palette Bakery on Instagram and Facebook. That's wonderful. Thank you. So we want to start with your journey uh because we'll get into like all the different things that you do but first let's just talk about um where your food journey began and how you started making these paleo baked goods yeah so i have an autoimmune disease called crohn's disease and because of it to kind of keep my health in check i follow a really crazy diet which is basically paleo on steroids. It's called the specific carbohydrate diet. And you limit all sugars except for honey and fruit. 
and you keep all your starches and your carbohydrate intake low. And so through that, I started baking for myself because I grew up a junk food junkie and I couldn't ever imagine giving up my donuts or my cakes or peanut butter cups or any of that stuff. So I essentially figured out how to make all the treats for myself. And then, you know, honestly being, I'm I'm also a nurse and a health coach and being that and seeing the increase in all of the chronic illnesses and everything and seeing how few products there were in the grocery stores that could adhere to a diet such as mine. Um, I decided that I wanted them to go into the public's hands. That's very nice. I saw you um, presenting at the Oregon Angel Food um, event in 2019. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I had just started. I God, I was still even considering if I wanted to do this as a business. Um, And so I joined the Oregon Entrepreneurs Network, uh, like a business course, essentially. And it was a lot of founders getting together, getting help with finances and hearing stories from other founders. And it was really invigorating. And so I kind of just kept going with it and started doing pitch competitions with OEN. Yeah. And uh, really, really scary. <laughs> and, I thought you did great. <laughs> well, that's, and I was. Anybody really who wants to watch, you're on YouTube. <laughs> you know, you can go on there and watch uh, Lainey do her thing on YouTube. Yeah, it was, it definitely gave me a rush being up there. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And OEN is an incredible group. Um, they really helped me kind of launch my launch my business. And after the pitch competition, I won concept stage um, at that competition. And after what that, what does that it, mean? So um, it meant that I had only been selling in just the Kenton Farmers Market. I uh, hadn't really gotten into any stores yet. I was still just playing around, honestly. I mean, I wanted it to be a business, but I wasn't really sure if it was going to work. And then winning that pitch competition, it made me realize that, okay, I need to keep going with this thing. So, and then I won shelf space at Market of Choice and Green Zebra and New Seasons. Um, And I haven't gone into New Seasons or Green Zebra yet. Kind of COVID, COVID, you know, stopped things a little bit with that. Um, Are but you in? You're in Market of Choice. They're yeah. one of our sponsors. We love Market of Choice. Oh, I do too. They've been so supportive. They're wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you just go back and tell us a little bit more about what OEN is? What does it stand for? Oregon Entrepreneurs Network. So they help mm-hmm. founders, you know, people that are interested in starting a food and beverage business, um, and they kind of. I guess they guide us a little bit and they, they do a lot of events. They'll um, sponsor a lot of events to get us out into the public's eye. Um, They'll boost us up on social media and they just give a huge wealth of knowledge. So you're still active with that group. I'm going to be, if hopefully fingers crossed, they do it again this summer. Okay. So you're Mm -hmm. looking forward to that. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more um, about 
what got you into making the kinds of things, special treats that you make? Because um, I know people know about autoimmune disease and you specifically said that you have Crohn's disease. Um, so we don't, I mean, maybe if you could just explain to people what that is, because I, not everyone knows. I feel like people that have it know and people that know people that have it know, but anybody else, maybe not. So I just wanted to talk about that. And then I was going to ask you to talk about um, what SCD was, but I think that you just described that, but maybe just how that's related to. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Have at so, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have an autoimmune disease, so that's what Crohn's is. And to bring the inflammation down, Um, it's really nice to, it's helpful if you can adhere to specific diets, you know, cutting out things that could cause inflammation, um, like sugar, gluten, grains, dairy, soy, you know, a a lot of things out there can hurt the system, um, and cause it to overreact. And so to help your body heal by taking those out, it's, uh, yeah, it can help the process. So it's, it's similar to paleo, um, but it focuses, it, it, the specific carbohydrate diet also doesn't allow maple syrup or coconut sugar, or let's see, what are some of the others? Um, monk fruit, things like that. Can you tell um, us what a typical day eating this type of diet would be like for you? Yeah. Definitely. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Give us a I, tour. I eat a lot of bacon. um i eat a lot of vegetables i eat a lot of bacon um i eat just meat veggies and fruits so and i make my own yogurt every day um or i make my own yogurt and then i eat that every day it helps uh repopulate um the good bacteria in my gut lining um so yeah yogurt let's see um i eat a lot of hamburgers Um, I eat a lot of squash, broccoli, salads, a lot of different fruit. Yeah, I eat very well. I feel like before Sarah and I had this podcast, I maybe only knew a couple of people who had talked to me about autoimmune disease and them having it. But I feel like since we've had the show, we've had a lot of guests who have started their own food business specifically because they were experiencing these things. And, um, I think it's really wonderful that you have found this place for yourself, but also that you're helping other people because I know that at the farmer's market, you sell out very early because then that's when I get to see you. You can come down to my my booth and say hello. That's funny. I know. And I know from talking to my own customers um, that we have a lot of people who experience these kind of autoimmune diseases. And I don't know if you ladies will have this answer, but any ideas of why that that people so many people have autoimmune diseases and maybe don't get a diagnosis or don't know or um, or it's not talked about because I feel like I never really heard much about it until well, recent years. I think it's because people's livers are overburdened with a lot of toxicity from yeah. the foods that we eat. There's heavy metals. There's a lot of things we don't really know about the liver, but the liver is your it's your cleaning system in your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's from what I understand, it is generational. And I saw Lainey mention that um, some of her family history she feels carried through over into her life. And I believe that's happened to me as well. And yeah. so 
we we just really don't know. Like I think a lot of us just eat stuff because it tastes good, not because it's healthy for us. And mm-hmm. food really is medicine. Yeah. And I think that's what Lainey's message is. Yeah. Um, that you can still taste things, have things that taste great, but they're not abusing your body. Yeah. That, that's the thing that I think is so wonderful, Lainey, about what you do is that, um, you know, the things that you make are beautiful. You see them and it does look like this wonderful treat you should reward yourself with. But then everything that in it is in it is um, not just good for you, but not bad for you. You know, right. where I think like a lot of when you see a lot of treats and desserts and things like that, like it's like you feel guilty about it. And I think that people don't have to when they eat your stuff. A hundred percent. And, you know, the another reason why I started this is as a nurse, being like, I've managed a lot of people with diabetes, for example, and trying to get them off sugar and reduce their carbohydrate intake is really difficult because, you know, if you think of God, if you were to be told that you can't ever have cake again, that you can't ever have a donut again, that you can't have your favorite foods ever again, you will look at a diet such as like that could help your diabetes and think that's not possible right? Because it's overwhelming when you first find out that you need to change the things that you love are the hardest things to change. Right. Exactly. But if you give people options that are healthy, that don't hurt them, then it gives them more of a chance to succeed and heal their system. Yeah. And so I, you know, I remember when I first started these diets and nothing, I mean, nothing, most things in the grocery stores just didn't look appetizing when they were saying that they were sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, all the things. They just, they just looked, didn't, they didn't look as pretty as the beautiful things in the display cases at say, you know, market of choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why, why should somebody be, why, why should that be taken away from somebody just because they choose to go healthy? Exactly. Yeah. So one thing, actually, this is an interesting uh, fact is 70% of all people with autoimmune diseases are women. And a lot, yeah, a lot of it is hormonal. Yeah. That's a big link. Um, So how are you, so you're a health coach. How are you coaching folks to manage like and change? What is one of your key things that you tell them when they first come and talk to you about changing their lifestyle? progress, not perfection. I think that's a lot of how me and a lot of other health coaches feel. If you baby steps. Yeah. If you can, I mean, getting somebody that's been eating sugar and drinking soda every day and, um, eating fast food five days a week, you can't expect them to go, you know, exactly. (laughs) And their bodies are going to hate them for it too. It's really really hard to get off of all that stuff. And so I, depending on how somebody, you know, some people are very type A and they want to do that immediately. They want to cut out everything. A lot of people are really cautious and anxious about doing it. So then I'll give them baby steps. I'll say, okay, you know, let's start out with cutting out gluten. And what else sounds good to you? How about we cut out some dairy? And then how about we just say, okay, you can have maple syrup, coconut sugar, and honey, but let's cut out all cane sugar. So I make it a little easier for them, more manageable, so it doesn't seem totally out of reach. Do you actually plan out a menu for them or how do you, what do you do for 
folks that are working with you? Yeah, I don't. Um, don't. I do. No, I don't. I, um, I give them some of my recipes and then I usually direct them towards other people's books and everything. Mm. Um, and I'll give them ideas, things that have worked for me. I'm a very, the way I eat is very simple. Um, you know, I literally throw meat and veggies into one big pot and eat like that. So I'm not, I'm not the best person to ask for those. That's what I did at lunch today. I just (laughs) took a bag of frozen broccoli and cauliflower, a a thing of vegetable broth. I chopped up some onions and carrots and I just dumped it in a pot and called it soup. Yeah. (laughs) That's so healthy. Yeah. I've been trying to do that for lunch because I gained a lot of weight this last year. Oh man, it's bad. I think everyone has. And that was the one thing that I was going to say is I like that approach, Lainey, that you have, because I think from like a counseling perspective, like, you know, people feel guilty when they feel like they messed up and they don't want to disappoint the person that they're working with. But I, and I think a lot of times that is the downfall of trying to make improvements is that if you feel like you can't make mistakes, then, and and we all make mistakes for everything, whether it's food or parenting or business owners, like whatever it is. Communication. Yeah. It's it's part of it. So you have to be like, okay with like, sometimes things are going to work and sometimes they're not going to work. And I think that if everyone can kind of take that pressure off themselves a little bit, especially now to know that like, yeah, I'm going to try to make improvements. It's not going to work every day, but like do my best. (laughs) I mean, I cheat. I, my biggest downfall are French fries. Oh, French fries are my number one favorite food. Have you tried the Burgerville ones? with um, They have, oh gosh, I can't think the truffle, the truffle ones are right now. They are so good. <laughs> Shoot, Sarah. I've never seen you, I've, okay. I've never seen you eat a French fry. I would never think that you love French fries. You just me? like shocked me. Yes. Oh hell yeah. I got the strawberry bliss milkshake and a large truffle fry with a, a burger um the bacon cheeseburger on a gluten-free bun on on Saturday night and we went and ate at a park. It was awesome. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think that moment of joy for you, Sarah, is really important. <laughs> and I think the thing My is family's that- like, wait, did you already down that whole shake before <laughs> we even got to the park? I was like, I knew you <laughs> loved ice cream. I, I've always known ice cream is your thing. But the Bliss, the Bliss milkshakes are so good. <laughs> They're not dairy. <laughs> there you go. If you um, ladies haven't tried Kate's ice cream, her ice cream... Oh, I got to try Kate's ice cream. Oh, yeah. I cheat. I cheat on it. You know, I, like I said, I don't do cane sugar, but then I have a really bad week and I'm like, I think my body can handle this. And yeah. So I'll cheat on Kate's <laughs> cookies and cream ice cream. I'm like obsessed. Don't you think the fat <laughs> and the sugar sort of balance each other out in ice cream? I think ice cream's kind of a <laughs> I don't know. Ice cream is just so special. (laughs) I hope they do. Maybe I'll just keep telling myself that next time. Yeah. (laughs) Ladies, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about the specific treats that you make. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. 
by providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system because food brings people together. Oh, welcome back. Can you tell us a little bit, Lainey, about your top seller? I think it's a some kind of a donut. Yes. So, oh God, top seller. Well, my flavors change. I have a few staples and those ones are in market of choice. So it's a dragon fruit, butter, quote unquote, buttercream, but its base is basically coconut milk and honey and non-hydrogenated shortening. Um, and I also make a chocolate frosted donut, which is pretty amazing. And then at the farmer's markets, I will come up with some new flavors. So I did, you know, I do a s'mores donut where I incorporate a product like Sweet Apricity. She does these amazing marshmallows that are oh. all autoimmune friendly. Really? So only yep, only sweetened with maple syrup um, and no added ingredients. So it's really delicious. And they you can literally torch them like a regular marshmallow. So I'll put those on my donuts. I, <laughs> I will add Mizuba Matcha's matcha to some of my frosting and do a little matcha buttercream. Mm -hmm. um, and then I take, I do these awesome peanut butter cup donuts where I'll add spoon and nut. She's another newer business. Um, she makes this awesome dark roasted peanut butter, which I'll add to my chocolate and Yum. it comes out fantastic. That's yummy. So what is the plant-based shortening that uses it? Coconut or? Oh yeah. I use for, you mean for my, my base Baked of donut? Yeah. I use coconut flour. Coconut flour. Yeah. A lot of people have issues I've found with the nuts. Okay. Um, not necessarily, you know, I can't, I can't offer anybody with an anaphylactic allergy, somebody that needs an EpiPen if they get cross-contaminated, but I do offer nut-free products if it's just like a food sensitivity. So do you bake with almond flour and coconut flour? What flours do you use? Mm -hmm. Just coconut flour. Um, Just coconut. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. And then occasionally I'll do like uh, another elaborate cookie or something and make an almond flour cookie. That's super fun. I think um, sometime we should do a special collaboration for the market because I have this idea. I have all these um, tomatoes that I dehydrated and so they be, they get really sweet, but I put um, like spicy powder on them because I used to serve them at, um, we would do these tastings and I would serve them to people here talking about like how good the tomatoes are that we use in our sauces because they're, you know, we buy them at seasonal times, but I have so many because now I'm not doing the tastings, <laughs> but the powder on him has, um, it's like a spicy powder. Sarah's had it before. Um, but it, I think it fits in with your diet because it's just spices and, but there is vinegar in it. Can vinegar be part of your diet? And it yeah. just, it gives the um, tomatoes just like a little, it's not, doesn't make them taste like a pickle or anything, but just like a little bit of tang, but I should bring you some on Saturday and you can try them and see if they fit into one of your donuts. Yes. <laughs> so if you put hot chilies and chocolate, that's a really good combination. Yeah. I um, one time did a hot chocolate for my friend Christina when she had her donut shop and we infused, um, she made hot chocolate, but it was vegan. I don't, I don't know what she made it out of, but um, she did hot chocolate. And then I made um, 
coconut milk infused with spicy, a spicy mixture that I made. And so they would serve these spicy hot chocolates that were really delicious. I bet you could make a really good caramel with um, honey and coconut milk and some coconut oil. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, you could totally do a caramel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I be- Sarah, I bet your stuff would taste amazing with my donuts. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll bring you sure. a cu- I'll bring you a couple things to play around with because I have a couple things that you can use, and I know, um, you know, just because, like I said, a, a lot of our customers have kind of the same things, so they, um, people will tell me all the different things they can't have. So over the years, I've really changed the way that I create sauces because my customers have come to me with all these different things, like. Um, I had a lot of people with, I mean, we've never done any, everything's always been gluten-free, but um, in the beginning, most of my stuff had sugar because I didn't even know that that was something people wanted to try to avoid because I started the business like 10 years ago, you know, and you use sugar and canning. So I just kind of um, kept that in there, but I've taken a lot of that out. But then also we have a lot of people that have um, issues with onions and garlic. So I started creating a lot of sauces that didn't have that in there, just digestive you know, it's hard for them to digest. So I really try to listen to all of our customers to see what it is that they can and can't have. We do have people that can't have vinegar sometimes, but for that, I haven't really created anything yet. (laughs) Yeah. A a lot of people, it's typically when people say they can't do onions and garlic, it's something called the SIBO diet. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Hey, Sarah, try using tamarindo, tamarind for the acid. Um, Lainey, I was wondering if you would take us back in time a little bit and talk about how you decided to become a registered nurse. And then um, you told us before we started that you're a school nurse. Can you kind of tell us that story? Because a lot of our people that are listening are trying to decide if they want to be a food entrepreneur. And so it helps them to know like, oh, there's a nurse out there that's going to be a, that's a food entrepreneur. So that story is really valuable to us, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... You know, I chose to be a nurse pretty much because I just wanted to help people. And I also wanted the flexibility of the scheduling, which was really nice. Um, And I honestly really love working with my patients. I mean, my favorite part about being a nurse is being able to connect and hear stories from my patients and being able to really help them one-on-one. And... Yeah. And I, I first got a job working and in the county health department. Mm. And to date, that has been my favorite job, um, working at the Northeast Health Clinic um, and kind of helping just a wide range of populations. Nice. And yeah, really, really fantastic. You know, a lot of people coming to me that hadn't seen a doctor in 10 years because it was prior to Obamacare. And they were coming to me with these uh, measurements of being di- newly diagnosed diabetics. And it was, you know, they're, it's called an A1C. So their blood glucose would be out of control. And then I was able to help them manage it. And through that would meet, meet their family members and hear their stories and just really get to know them. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, really do love my patient to nurse contact. I think that's my favorite part about being a nurse. And now you're working in the school system, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so that's a fairly new job. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, very interesting because of COVID. Um, kids. I mean, tell us a little bit about kids and their, I mean, I, I imagine you're helping kids decide what to eat if 
I don't know. I mean, if you're so food focused, how does your food focus help kids in the school that you're working in? Yeah. So I haven't been able to do too much recently, but I was working as a substitute prior to this. Okay. Um, but you know, they all come rushing in my, I have had a lot of type one diabetics and they would come in, you know, checking their blood sugar. And then I would be able to go over some diet stuff with them about what they, what's better for them to eat and what's not. Um, but it's really hard. I mean, I remember when I was a middle schooler, all I did was eat a bag of chips and drink a soda. And that's all I wanted for lunch. So it's, it's, it's really, I wish I could have more of an impact. I do. Um, but I think the education has to start at home. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, my, um, mom is probably listening and she (laughs) was a nurse for, gosh, I don't even really know, maybe 40 years. I think she started right after I was born. She went to nursing school right after I was born. And, um, so she did it for a long time. She just retired a couple of years ago, but I feel like nurses are some of my favorite people. And I think just, um, interacting with each of those kids that you now have is it's going to help, even though you maybe feel like it doesn't, and you feel like it happens at home. Like it might not happen right then and there, but those kids are going to remember you. They're going to remember the conversations that they had with you. They're going to remember that when you talked about healthy eating, that that was a thing that mattered, you know, it might not make sense at home, but I think it will down the road. So Mm -hmm. keep having those conversations with your clients because I think it's so important. My favorite person from my grade school is actually our school nurse. Her name was Mrs. Bean. And when I was in fifth grade, I started having migraine headaches. And that was a long time ago. It was 1975. Nobody then ever thought that food could affect how you feel. It took me from when I was in fifth grade, I think that's 11 years old until um, probably eight years ago to figure out that I shouldn't eat gluten. So I dropped wheat and I really have had very little problem with migraines since then. I suffered my whole life with that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I, when I used to work with at the with the kids in the group homes, we associated diet with behavior like immediately. You know, as soon as they would come in, they and we were in charge of all of their food. And so the first things that we did was cut out like processed sugars, all the dyes, and you know all the red dye red number forty. 40 or <laughs> and we we really noticed an immediate improvement in behavior. And it could red have been please. a lot of things. Yeah. It could have been that they were in a different environment. But I think that then if you kind of talk to kids about that, about like, hey, do you ever notice that when you eat this, you get kind of weird? (laughs) (laughs) And they will. I mean, you can say it however you want to say it, but that's how I say it. (laughs) And they they would really, they would really notice. They would be like, yeah, like I can't like control my arms. Or like, (laughs) this get really shaky. And like, if you just say that to them, then they really do. Like they notice it and they're like, I don't think that I want to do that again or whatever. Or maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. they do. But I mean, just having those kinds of conversations is pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, definitely. On on another note, the, the behavioral stuff, um, with children, the diet that I'm on, the one called it's SCD specific carbohydrate diet. It was originally started because the founder, her name's Elaine Gottschall, her daughter had autism. And so when she, she recognized that when she cut out the sugars and all the starches, her autistic spectrum improved by like 85%. And so it's, 
it's so fantastic to see like to see those improvements when you cut out all the sugar. Um, you cut out anything that can cause that sort of inflammation and any behavioral health issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I think, I think people really have to see it and experience it to understand it. Cause otherwise yeah. I think people are just like, that's too, <laughs> too woo woo. Or I don't want to get rid of that stuff. No, I mean, I think, they need to listen. They need to yeah, do it. Yeah. But it really does. I mean, when you see it or you experience it, I think it's pretty amazing stuff amazing. because it's also so simple, you know, it's pretty easy to to just like make some changes and, and notice the difference in, in children and in ourselves for sure. Well, I think being a nurse and being progressive about diet is pretty innovative because I think a lot of times the medical um, folks aren't connecting food with health. And so I think it's emerging, like slowly emerging. It's been slowly emerging probably for the last 10 years, but yeah. I need, I think it needs to be like way more predominant in health. I a hundred percent agree. I still see, you know, I'm on a lot of these, these Facebook groups and everything related to Crohn's and colitis and, you know, the diet that I'm on. And we, all of us still see people saying, I talked to my doctor my doctor says that diet doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> wish terrible. it wasn't like that. <laughs> and the, the, the doctors aren't trained about food science and how it affects the body. So Exactly. It's unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unusual. Yes. So Lainey, I want to be able to have people get your goodies. So it I know one way is the farmer's market, but what time do people have to get there to get something from you? And which farmer's markets are you at? Yes. I am currently only at Portland, the PSU farmer's market on Saturdays. Um, and I am trying to bake more and more every week. And I, even when I bake more every week, I'm selling out by about 12, 1230. So, so get there before 12. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am going to be hiring a baker here soon. So I will be able to increase production. So so my, (laughs) my friend Kat, who she has, uh, she runs the farmer's market conference in California. And she has this baker come on almost every conference. Maya, she makes these cookies and they have her talk because what Kat told her is to work smarter and not harder. And that in order to hire someone else, which you, you need to do because you Mm -hmm. are running out of things, you need to charge more money. And so then that's going to make it so that you can hire this person. And then you're going to be able to not sell out, but also make the amount of money you need to pay that person. So this this is not my advice. This is Kat's advice, but I'm passing it on to you because I think it fits into your specific scenario so well. Because I know that bakers, you know, there's the risk of making too much stuff mm-hmm. and then you have stuff, you have a loss, right? Um, yeah. You know, I fortunately don't, experience that if I don't sell stuff at the farmer's market or have a slow day I still get to take it home and and sell it to someone else Mm -hmm. so I don't really have that risk but for you in order to make enough money to support your business um, and make the right amount of things you really probably need some help it's hard to be a single baker (laughs) and one that has two other jobs yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well I noticed on your website you don't have anything 
You aren't selling on your website. You have an empty page of everything's $19. (laughs) (laughs) I I took it off for now. I, I was selling, I was doing home deliveries um, during COVID and prior to COVID, I was also doing home deliveries and prior to COVID, I was also selling at about 10 different cafes. Okay. In the Portland area. Um, and so, so with, you pivoted. I pivoted, yes. Um, but I do want to get back into more public public places. So I'm in market of choice right now and I just improved my shelf life frozen so I can now get into all the market of choices around Oregon, which is fantastic. Yay. Um, yes. Very happy about that. Um, and then hopefully expand to other grocery stores and other cafes. So that's my goal is to, is for people to be able to walk into a coffee shop and there is a product that they can actually sit down and eat and drink their coffee. So that's a good idea. Yeah. Do you think that, well, Okay. <laughs> It's very hard to have a job and have a business outside of that job. Do you think there'll be a point where you just do the business or is, are you really wanting to do both things? I am unsure right now (laughs) (laughs) for, for a while. Um, you know, I was using the nursing, I was staying in nursing just as a jumping off point with the business. Um, but, one of my favorite things about this business is the networking aspect. I mean, I love meeting you ladies, all the entrepreneurs out there and gaining so much knowledge from everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm not shy reaching out to other people. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. So I, I'd like to be more of that person for my business mm. and kind of have the day-to-day operations be somebody else handling it, like the baking. That's that's my actual goal. I still love the farmers markets, so I would still like to be there on a regular basis. Do you have a special kind of a bakery that you can bake in, or where are you currently baking? Are you using a home kitchen? No, no, no? I have a dog. Oh. I wish I could do home kitchen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I cook out of a commercial kitchen. Okay, which is really hard to find in Portland to gluten free. It's really difficult. Um. Because so the Jansons, uh, the Jansons who have the gluten-free, um, they make buns and breads. They're over in Southeast. I think they're kind of down by, I want to say, People's Co-op, kind of in the Clinton neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They do some contract baking with people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I heard that recently. Yeah. 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 I'll be cool. moving into, in two weeks, I'll be transitioning into um, Stella's Kitchen. Oh, uh, she does a home delivery paleo food service, which is fantastic. Her stuff is delicious. Um, so I'll be working out of her kitchen in about two weeks. So oh, that sounds like a great uh, partnership. Yeah, definitely. I think it's nice to have buddies in the kitchen too, especially mm-hmm. if they're, they're like kind of food values fit with yours. It's really nice to just be able to talk about anything, sourcing, things yeah. like that, things that you can um, even go in together on purchasing items. I did that a lot when I worked with my popcorn buddy, Neha. Um, we would uh, purchase supplies together so that we could save money and get them in bulk because um, we, you know, had similar, you know, we wanted to buy like the best ingredients so we could go in on them at the same time, which is really nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. Jewel crafted nutrition was a business, um, that helped me out a lot with that in the beginning. Um, me, I would tack onto their orders. Mm -hmm. Um, so they were great with that. That's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have too much time left, but we were wondering if you have any advice for, um, new, either new entrepreneurs or people that are thinking about starting a business. Ooh, no. Um, imposter syndrome is real. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. And, you know, definitely recognize that you're going to have a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Yep. And if you really, if you really see that your business can be something, then try to plow through those lows. Um, Cause you're going to have some highs again. In the yeah. Future. Yeah, a lot of women suffer with the imposter syndrome thing. And one of the things that I often tell people is you are not an imposter. You are actually doing this. Like you have proven that you deserve to be here doing this at this moment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, you know, when COVID hit, it was, I had a really hard time because I was, I, yeah, I, I was about to launch, you know, two weeks before COVID hit you know, started up doing all this new stuff and, <laughs> ah, and I know a lot of, a lot of business owners felt the same way. Um, but then just knowing that I still wanted this passion project to work, I was like, okay, I just need to take a step back for a bit and come back to it when I feel strong enough. And yeah, I did that. And yeah. So, well, I think you're offering something really special to people that that need it, but also people that don't. I mean, no matter what, I think your treats are delicious and I think that they are for everyone and you're providing, um, you know, this really great product to, to people in our community. And so I think, um, you know, for sure people can go to Market of Choice and get it. They can come see you at the farmer's market and maybe at some point get it delivered again. But I think <laughs> until then, they know where to go to find you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you yeah. for joining us. Thanks for joining us, Lainey. It's so good to see you and talk to you and hear about your business. And um, we'll send people your way for sure to get your wonderful yes. treats. Yes. And Sarah, I'm excited to try your hot sauce or your tomatoes with my yeah. donuts. Your uh, I'll, bring you, I'll bring you some things on Saturday so you can start experimenting. I think that you'll, you'll find something fun to do. I also, you know, dehydrate all these cool things like flowers and like all this stuff that, because I'm like the preserving, you know, I like preserve all this stuff, but then I don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I should pass some of it on to you because I feel like it fits more into your world than it does with mine. <laughs> I will so take anything you want me to okay. play with. I'm going to bring you some stuff. I'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. We record Masonian Marshall live every week. Find us on your favorite podcast platform like Stitcher and iTunes. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message at our Masonian Marshall Instagram. We will be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers, by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. 
Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.